What's happening, friends? Welcome to another edition of Syracuse Basketball Postgame presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. You got Brent Dax here, and I am uh, flying solo today, sort of. We're certainly going to get lots of feedback from our Syracuse Sports Insiders coming up here shortly on the pod. But as we like to say in the business, uh, Mike Waters and Donna DeToda our fearless beat reporters for Syracuse basketball on assignment down there in D.C. So I'm going to host solo today, and we are going to talk about how the 99th meeting between Syracuse and Georgetown went in SU's favor today. Final score from D.C., Syracuse 80, Georgetown 68. This felt like a Syracuse-Georgetown game. This felt like a rivalry renewed. It was a great game to watch, and I think unequivocally, Syracuse's best all-around effort of the season. I think the other game you can point to, ironically enough, a game in which they scored 80 points as well, was the LSU game at the Dome when Syracuse came back from Maui, and we were all kind of wondering, well, how's that team going to be playing? Are they tired? Do they have jet lag? They played great, but I think there's a distinct difference between that game and this game, and they were both great wins. That game, Syracuse had 11 three-pointers. This game, Syracuse only had five, and it actually worked to their favor. That game was the Judah Mintz show with 33 points, a career high for him. Not that Judah Mintz was not strong and not a huge performer in this game. He most certainly was. But the all-around effort, the contributions, not only from J.J. Starling, we really saw for the first time this year a dynamic 40-minute effort, and Judah played 33 minutes in this game but a true wall-to-wall effort with Judah and J.J. We've seen flashes of it before. And look, we knew this was going to be a process. We knew this backcourt was going to grow into this role. And we've seen sometimes J.J. have to defer to Judah and vice versa, mostly that way. But to see J.J. Starling step in with 21 points, a season high for him, hitting from the three-point line, getting to the basket, the bench contributions that Syracuse got today. I thought this was the best game that Adrian Autry has coached. And, of course, that is a uh, a young uh, sample space as Syracuse moved to 7-3 and three with this win, so it's only 10 games. But I love the way he used the bench today. I love how he countered Ed Cooley, formerly of Providence, now at Georgetown. And is it still a rivalry? It certainly felt like it out there today. Syracuse fans taking over the Capital One Arena, audible, through the television and in D.C. chance of Let's Go Orange coming from D.C. It was the first game this year that they opened up the upper deck at that arena, and Syracuse fans really took over the place. And this was a really, really impressive win for the Orange. Let's go over a couple of things here, and then we're going to hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders coming up, highlight some of our comments from those of you watching on Facebook and otherwise, and uh, we'll even have the voicemails a little bit as well. So we mentioned Judah Mintz who had 25 points, and this guy just gets to the free throw line. I mean, 13 of 15, because as we know, kids, hashtag free throws matter. But man, how he got to the rim today. We, we're just getting spoiled with this guy. There was a sequence, uh, not a sequence here, but I want to go over a few just unbelievable plays from Judah in this game. About 1340 to go in the first half. A really strong drive where he can kind of work off his defender, gets the and one there. That puts Syracuse up 17-14. to 14. Right after that, he had a beautiful give-and-go right down the lane. Chris Bell, back to him. That made it 19-17. Had a steal and a drive the other way with about 16-45 to go. This is now in the second half. 
another steal and a dunk with about six minutes to go. He just knows how to get to the rim. He knows how to fight off defenders. We're used to this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know about this guy at this point, but to see him excel at this, you know, you go back a couple of games to Virginia. He only got to the free throw line twice and it affects his game. He knows how to get whistles. He knows how to take on defenders, but man, he can just get to the rim can flat out get to the rim, exciting player, and man, did we see that today. Combine that with J.J. Starlin, who had 21 points, 3-for-3 from the outside. Guys, that's the key in this. J.J. has really struggled from the three-point line. Not that you're counting on J.J. to be a three-point shooter, but when he's on, he's on. For a while, he led the team in rebounds. He almost did today. Justin Taylor ends up leading the team with six rebounds today. But J.J. led the way in that category. He played 38 minutes. He only had two turnovers in this game. He was fantastic, and that's what you need, that balance. You can't always find it. When Judah's doing his thing, you got to let Judah do his thing. But we saw that from J.J. today, how they both could work. So to see those two combine today for 46 points, that's exactly what you were hoping. When the local kid from Baldwinsville transferred from Notre Dame and was going to be in that same backcourt with Judah Mintz. And when we knew that Judah was coming back, like this is what you envisioned. This is what you dreamed of. This is what you wanted to see from that backcourt. And you saw it in this game. But man, you can't go too far without shouting out Quadir Copeland. 14 points, 6 of 7 from the field. He had 4 rebounds. What a dunk he put down in the second half of this game. And we saw quite a few of those today. Not on both sides, really. Georgetown had some strong in-the-paint play. And this is a Georgetown team that came in really effective from the three-point line throughout the season. They really weren't there today from three. It was in the paint. Syracuse ended up winning points in the paint, 42-38. But Georgetown was strong in the paint. It's what really kept them in this game. But, man, that dunk from Quadir. And, look, he is just a burst of energy off that bench for Syracuse. You have to be patient with Quadir. There's some plays where he can frustrate you. Some of our uh, texters on the Syracuse Sports Insider line were, were saying that about Quadir and, and some flaws that he has defensively. But he just always finds a way to contribute something. He's such a great presence in the locker room. So confident. You know those guys that kind of straddle the line between cocky and confident? That is Quadir, and it is confident, and he makes you smile, and he's just a great kid to talk to, but he brings that presence to the locker room. He brings that presence to this team, and he brought it off the bench today. And ladies and gentlemen, I am here to inform you, Monir Hima is still on this team, and he had a really strong performance off the bench. So he comes in four points, three rebounds in nine minutes. That doesn't sound like a lot, but he had a presence out there. And this speaks to what we talked about, how Adrian Autry used his bench in this game. There were a couple guys that struggled. Naheem McLeod only played four minutes and didn't score. Kyle Cuff only played a few minutes and didn't score. But, you know, Malik Brown, who ended up getting into foul trouble, eight points, five rebounds. And the big thing with Malik Brown today was his offense. There was one play where he kind of took off from the free throw line, did a spin move, attacked the basket. He's showing more comfort away from the hoop. We know that Malik Brown's great around the basket, right? We know he can rebound. He had 12 rebounds against Cornell. He had five today. 
he was big in this game. Look, Justin Taylor only had one three-pointer, but it was a big three-pointer, and I mentioned wasn't scoring. What does he do? He leads the team in rebounding uh, with six in this game, playing 28 minutes. Chris Bell was hot early, kind of trailed off for a while after that. He had that double technical, and then he went to the bench for a while, and he played 22 minutes in this game. But for Syracuse to go 5 of 11 from the three-point line and score 80 points and win a game like this, my favorite stat from this game, guys, Syracuse, 20 to 2 winners in fast break points. This is what Adrian Autry said this team was going to be a team that would push the ball, that would go up the court, kind of go back to what Syracuse fans wanted to see. Think of some of those great Syracuse Georgetown games of the past when Pearl Washington and Sherman Douglas and Adrian Autry, and you put the names up there that would push the ball. Syracuse really won this game. By doing that, by being controlled in the paint, by not forcing threes, they hit a few when they needed to, but they didn't force it. You know, you're coming off a Cornell game where they had a bunch of threes in that game. And I mentioned Georgetown came in shooting really well from three-point range. They were 29th in the country. Today, just 5 of 26 from three-point range. Epps was good with 17. I love this name. Georgetown, you go through the names throughout the years. My favorite all-time is Ruben Boomshay Boomshay. Georgetown always has great names, and this is a spectacular name, 8.6 out of 10 name, and that's Supreme Cook, right? But he was impressive in the paint, 8 of 10 from the field. He had 16 points, but what Georgetown did not do today is hit their threes, and it's kind of weird to say that about Georgetown because when you think of the Hoyas, you always think of, I mean, go through all the names throughout the years, the guys in the paint, Ewing and Matumbo and Mourning, and right on through the list to Roy Hibbert to recent guys in Georgetown history, but this team with the transfers and the way that Ed Cooley's rebuilding things and just the importance of the three-point shot overall, they're hitting threes, but not in this game. Clearly, in my opinion, Syracuse's best overall effort of the season, but I want to know what you guys have to say, and we are going to go to our Syracuse Sports Insiders here, and we would love for you to join the club, friends. Just text the word ORANGE to 315 847 3895 and you get priority on this podcast and our Syracuse Sports podcast as well. You can text me directly, which you've been doing and you've been asking amazing questions and offering awesome opinions. Shout out to our guy Sean, who we did a pod earlier this week about the Syracuse Georgetown rivalry and where are we at with this. He came up with a phenomenal idea about kind of a mini Big East tournament we should have during the season. The insiders have been great. You guys are texting me during games. I'm texting you back. Thoughts for the podcast, things that you want me to write about. I mean, it's been an amazing back and forth, and we hope that you can join the club. It's free for two weeks. It's just $3.99 a month after that. And let's see what our insiders were saying about this one. We start with Randy, who says, great team win today. Copeland, Hema, Sterling, on and on it goes. I love this line from Randy. Batman had lots of Robins today. This team still needs to concentrate more on rebounding, but certainly got the win. This is from Michael B. This is for what it's worth. I saw Benny making hustle plays on both ends of the floor and didn't seem too concerned about scoring. I think that's when Benny is at his best. I get that in some games he feels the need to get his shot going, but he should be focusing on playing team ball. He looks in a good headspace today. And it reflected on the court. Great point from Michael B. Benny Williams did play. We were all wondering what the situation was going to be. Benny did not play earlier this week against Cornell. It was an odd circumstance. It's been well documented at this point. Would Adrian Autry put Benny on the floor? Remember, Benny 
and Judah Mintz, and to an extent, both Justin Taylor and Marie Brown, who are from Virginia, this is a short drive for four players. The DMV area, as well chronicled through the years, has been a critical recruiting area for Syracuse, right? So would Autry put Benny on the floor today, considering this was his homecoming? The answer was yes. And that's a great text because Benny didn't have huge numbers but made the hustle plays, and he played the right way. This whole team played the right way today. They got back on defense. They hustled. They had some flaws. There were some turnovers and some things we can nitpick at, but certainly their best effort of the year. And if Benny was in in a bad Benny mood and was, you know, what he was against Cornell when he found out he wasn't going to play on Tuesday and the odd circumstance of Adrian Autry saying he couldn't help us win – in that game, but he could help you win this game. He could help you win the LSU game. I mean, it's it's an enigma at this point, but he did play, and he was out there, and he played the right way, as pointed out there. From my guy Scott, who says, Brent, I know this won't be a popular take, but I think Judah Mintz is more worried about his NBA resume reel than making the right plays at times. I think he's improved considerably and will be playing at the next level next year, but I don't think Mintz makes his teammates better. Mintz does what's best for Mintz rather than Syracuse. Scott, uh, listen, you said it. It's not going to be a popular opinion. I don't agree with that. Judah's at his best when he is an offensive-minded point guard. He can get to the basket. He can get to the free throw line. Sometimes his assist numbers are not what you want a point guard to be. Today, he had three. But this is the type of player that Judah Mintz is. You've got to let him ride. We mentioned J.J. with 21 points, Quadir with 14 points, right? Now, at one point, Judah was in foul trouble. Adrian did take him out for a few minutes. In the first half, one of our texters, Mike, pointed out to me that Beheim probably would have played him 40 minutes, and that's right. But look, just based on how I've seen Judah play, just based on talking to him, talking to his teammates, what they think of him, how they respect him, I don't think that's the case. I think the NBA stuff will take care of itself. You got to remember, Judah tested the waters. He talked to NBA people. And there are times when maybe he does take that shot, take on two or three defenders as opposed to passing the ball out. I'm not going to deny that. I can see where you're coming from there. But to think he's just out there all about himself, it's just not true. And I don't believe it. And I don't see it. That's not why you come back. Now, there is selfish aspects of this. But the NBA is going to sniff that out, right? They're going to sniff that out. So I get what you're saying in a way. You said it wasn't going to be a popular take. I don't agree with that. I get that. That's what they're asking him to do, right? I think you got to straddle that fine line. This is exactly what they're asking Judah to do, right? It's not by choice. Like, forget all you other guys. You don't have a game like today if that's how Judah plays. Plain and simple, right? Paul says, uh, I don't want to jinx things. He texted this with about four minutes to go, but I think this has been Autry's best coaching job to date in terms of shuffling personnel and getting the right people on the floor. The three-point shooting wasn't there today for Syracuse, but they won it by attacking the hoop with several players. Defense was solid and ball movement much improved. From Gabe, who says, great to see Syracuse finish strong. Those fast break points made the difference. Uh, Syracuse looked to be better battle-tested team after playing teams like Tennessee, Gonzaga, and UVA. Gabe, that's a great point because we were wondering how the hottest fire would make the strongest steel and how Syracuse would improve. And when you go through a season, you kind of mark the tape at times. When did Syracuse take a step forward, right? LSU was one of those games. When did they take a step back, okay? Virginia, 
tough game, always a tough game. But do they keep evolving? Do they keep getting better? When you go through, and there's still a lot of basketball to be played, but you can always, I call them, <clears throat> excuse me, I call them postcard moments, right? What are the postcard moments of the season? This may end up being one of those postcard moments. Key to win on the road, rivalry game, important recruiting area, like we said. I completely agree with that uh, that text that you had. I think we could be looking back at this at this point. And I think the teams they played before that helped. So you still got Oregon and South Dakota coming up. You still got a couple tough non-conference games before the Orange really get into ACC play. And in this case, I think it is starting to pay off for these guys. David Kay, who is a frequent texter during games, love hearing from Dave, says about the rivalry, this feels great. And that's it. It feels great. Shout out to Claire, who I was texting with a lot. She was at the game. And she said, you know, Brent, I listened to your podcast this week, and I was thinking about, is this a rivalry? It felt like a rivalry. That's the key word. That's the key word. And I think you do have to check in on it almost yearly at this point just to take the temperature, you know, kind of lick your finger, stick it up in the air. Does this still feel like a rivalry? The question was answered unequivocally yes today. Jack says, I love the newfound confidence that Quadir has. He's the spark plug that is so invaluable, especially in a young team like this. Michael L. says, first half hard to watch. Second half, very good. A lot to build on. Good to see J.J. do what everyone knows he's capable of. Victor loved the impressive finish for this team. J.J. found a shot. Copeland and the energy and grit he brings. The Swiss Army knife. You can see this team growing and gelling. And there it is from Victor. You can see this team growing and gelling. You can see the improvement. Now, you got to play that hard on defense. They did mix in some zone today. Um, Look, no game is perfect, particularly for a young team. But the positives far outweigh the negatives here. And this team has had its moments. The second half of the Colgate game. We mentioned the LSU game, which was a little different than this one. But they're now banking these things. And they know they can tap into it and have this confidence that they can't play this way. And to do it on the road was very big. Mike brings up a point I wanted to hit on here. TV commentator Danielle Marshall, former UConn player, nailed Syracuse's main problem on offense. He said Syracuse needs to stop going one-on-one and get into offensive sets. Problem is that Red runs Bayheim's motion offense that has zero screens for shooters and is one-on-one based. My question for Red is when are you going to set plays with screens for shooters? Now, this is a fair critique, and I want to talk about Danielle Marshall in a minute too, or as he calls himself now, Donnie Marshall. This is a fair critique. I didn't expect it in 10 games. I don't think you guys expected it in 10 games. But I think a continued evolvement we need to see from Adrian Autry is just that. Get away from that Bayheim offense, which I get why you're still implementing it, because that's why you recruited this team. But I want to see Autry put more of his personality and more set plays that you noted. Things that we watch and distinctly say, Autry did that. And by the way, we did see that today. The way he subbed, the way he coached this game, I saw a lot of Autry in this game. I think, if anything, this was a breakout game for him that he's starting to put his mark on this thing, and it was going to take time, guys. But, Mike, I completely agree with you there, and I also completely agree with this. Donnie Marshall was fantastic, okay? It's funny when you hear from Syracuse fans, they're like, oh, this guy's biased against Syracuse, and this announcing team sucks, and... 
Not going to lie. There's some that come along during the year that make me groan. Donnie Marshall, former UConn guy, by the way, was spectacular. He is one of the best color commentators I've heard in a while. I'll be honest. I don't think I've heard a game with Danielle Marshall that stood out to me. I don't watch a ton of Fox college basketball. And even when you do, like sometimes you just have it on in the background, you're watching another game or something. But, you know, when you're watching your team, what the color commentators say stands out. Donnie Marshall's great. His insight is great. He explains it to you. He filters it well. He's honest. Mike brought up the point of the the set plays and some things that Syracuse has to do. I never got a sense. The best compliment you can give a color commentator is you don't know, like, what team (laughs) they're, they're leaning towards in a way. Like, the game is called evenly. And shout out to the guy who did play-by-play as well, Jeff. Oh, boy. I got it on the tip of my tongue here. I want to give him a proper shout-out. Give me a second here. I got it on my phone. But he was spectacular, right? They both were spectacular. It was Jeff Levering and Donnie Marshall. I wanted to give a proper shout-out there. So it's easy to grumble about the broadcast team when you know they're not good or they're they're biased in, in a way. They were great. And Mike V says, best games for Starling and Copeland today. Hema helped. I love how many guys played. That's it. That's it. A lot of guys playing out there. Mixing it up by Autry. Autry putting his mark on this thing, right? As uh, Jake points out here, JJ just plays and makes Judah better, right? I don't think there's any question about that. When you could take a little pressure off of Judah thinking that he's got to do everything. And we had that guy uh, earlier with the text that said it wasn't going to be a popular opinion. Sometimes I can see why people think that. I'm not going to completely disregard that, right? But when JJ's playing like that and he could take just a little pressure off Judah, it's huge. And we saw it today. And a lot of you are talking about the mix of players, the mix of lineups, right? How about Hema? getting back out there. It had been a while. And it seemed that Peter Carey had leaped Hema. And by the way, don't forget about Gary Patterson, who's also on the, or William Patterson, pardon me, who's also on this team who we haven't really seen much. And I don't know how much in the rotation he's really going to be, but it felt like that Peter Carey had leaped over Hema. We had seen him get in games before Hema. There were rumors that Hema was, was he hurt? Why isn't he playing? What's going on? Is he going to redshirt? And and a lot of things that were floating out there. A lot of guys were asking me, or a lot of our Syracuse sports insiders. And the answer was, he just wasn't playing well. He was just getting beat out. Not today. Not today. And that's big because I don't want to put this out there as a negative, so to say, but it it does need to be addressed. Naheem McLeod, when he's in there, guys, is kind of the clock's ticking. And you have to put him out there. He's seven feet freaking four. He is a very, very tall human. He creates matchup issues. So if you can get him the ball inside, get him some easy baskets, get it six to ten points out of him around the hoop, obviously he can block shots, and he's somebody you want to rebound, you got to do it. But there's a clock ticking on that guy. And what Autry has done, and I thought he ha, has handled it very well so far, Naheem starts, gets some run, but Malik, it's at one point, it's almost like Naheem's running like the 400 and he passes the baton to Malik 
for the rest of the game, for the rest of the, you know, the, uh, the track meet, if you will. I think that's a smart strategy because Malik's offensive ability, his ability around the basket, he's a much better rebounder, and the guy just plays his butt off, right? Naheem has a role. As we saw today, Monir has a role. And this is what's encouraging because what did Adrian Autry say about this team? They're going to push it. They pushed it today. Fast break points, 20-2. to two. They're going to go deeper on the bench. They went deeper on the bench today. Judah only plays 33 minutes, and again, part of that was foul trouble. But we're st- I just brought it up a minute ago, and I'll give credit where I see it. You are starting to separate yourself from Bayheim there. They did play some zone. They did, did some things that is the mark of Syracuse basketball, and they still should do, that Jim Bayheim put into place. But a coach starting to make his own mark and just kind of look at what this team is and what's best for them, this was as good as we have seen it all year. And the things that Autry said they would do, but remember would take time to do. So it always feels good to beat Georgetown if you're a Syracuse fan. You know, it's 3.03 p.m. as we speak in Georgetown. Yep. You guys know the rest on that, right? I did want to uh, hit the voicemail line because we had a good one from Dan in Binghamton. Let's take a listen. Brad, it's Dan from Binghamton. Just finished watching Syracuse versus Georgetown. What a competitive game. That was fun to watch. It was great, great defense from Syracuse. You can tell they're gelling. When you see Chris Bell... Getting deep down in the stance, you know Adrian Autry is making an impact on these guys. Uh, how about Quadier Copeland? Huge game. Judah, huge game. And JJ is heating up at the right time. It's good looks for Syracuse, and that's a big, big win against a pretty good Georgetown team. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Dan, for calling in. And it was a situation where they all looked like they, they bought in. I didn't see anybody out there today that was, you know, dogging it or that you could criticize for how they played, right? How key was it that Benny Williams got time? Maybe Benny's getting the message. And for Autry to have the patience to work through that is a credit to him, and it could go the other way quickly. We've seen Benny in. We've seen Benny out. People have really wondered if he would still have a role on this team and what's the deal with that going to be? Well, a little home cooking Let's hope for Syracuse to say, has solved that issue. And Benny understands what he has to do. A lot of you see a team gelling. So now you get a situation where they take a week off, finals week coming up, and then another one of these unique games. What a unique schedule this has been, non-conference-wise, for Syracuse. They will play Oregon next Sunday, December the 17th, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay, sure. So Syracuse has been to Hawaii. They've been on the road to Virginia, to Washington, D.C., and now South Dakota. That's like, that's, uh, what am I thinking? Mount Rushmore is actually not that close to where they're going to be. Actually, it's a bit of a hike to get there and back, but a unique uh, spot. When I saw that added to the schedule, I was like, okay, that's that's a thing. <laughs> but that's when they'll play next. They'll have plenty of time to build up to that game. They're feeling confident this week. And we'll see how they do there. And then to round out the schedule, you got Niagara at the Dome. Now, uh, important note for you guys, if you didn't see it, they changed the game time for Niagara, which is Thursday, December 21st. That's now a 5 o'clock game. Why? That's also the night of the Boca Bowl. Syracuse football taking on South Florida. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff. 
It's a five o'clock tip time now, Thursday, December 21st. So that is going to be a very busy day coming up for Syracuse fans. And uh, I, I'm sure a lot of you appreciate that they changed that game time. Uh, look, this is a basketball post game show, but we'd be remiss if we did not note this is a huge recruiting weekend for Fran Brown. Brought in a number of four star players who, by the way, were not visiting here until Fran Brown and Nick Williams and Elijah Robinson and some of these new names have been added to the staff. I don't know if you guys have seen some of this stuff on social media. Uh, King Joseph Edwards, shout out to him, four-star defensive end, who is visiting this weekend amongst the the many four-stars. He's been chronicling a lot of this on his Instagram stories. They had a hibachi chef, several hibachi chefs, set up on the dome. I wish I had a picture I could show you, but you guys can find it. on. It's on my Twitter feed if you want to check it out. On the court, right? So they got the big scoreboard down, and it says commit to Cuse, and they're having a nice hibachi dinner on the court at the Dome. Like, how cool is that? Also, now it's pretty standard that these guys, they come up, they visit, they take pictures in the uniform. It's it's stuff they can put on their Instagram feed or whatever the case may be. They rolled in a Ferrari. A black, I'm not sure what year it is. It looks pretty modern. I'm not a big car guy, so I wouldn't know but a black Ferrari and you had players taking pictures with that, like the Fran Brown effect already different signing day is 11 days away guys. And it appears that knock on wood Syracuse is going to have itself some four-star players, right? It's also very mysterious how rivals drops a number of Syracuse players from four stars to three stars when they visit Syracuse kind of ironic how that happens, but that's a whole different topic for a different day. Uncle Brent's looking into that. We'll get into it a little bit later on. But a little football in the mix as this basketball team continues to roll. So, as we mentioned, it's going to be a quiet week game-wise for Syracuse because they don't play again until next Sunday. But stay tuned here on YouTube, on Spotify, and on Apple, pardon me as well, for more episodes of Syracuse Sports where our Syracuse Sports Insiders get priority Become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. I have really enjoyed hearing from you guys. We're building some things. There's much more to come here. It's just $3.99 a month. You get a 14-day free trial. You can cancel anytime. Try it. Check it out. What's it like? What's it like to text Brent? And by the way, this is not a group text. I text you, you text me, right? That's it. You're part of a community. You're part of a, a lot of passionate Orange fans that, for example, got the Fran Brown story first. When I broke the story that Fran Brown was finalizing a contract with Syracuse football. Our Syracuse Sports Insiders got that heads up. They got that text first. They get my opinions first. You you get a direct line to this podcast. I mean, there's so many advantages to being a Syracuse Sports Insider. What a great holiday gift, right? Just four bucks a month. But you can try it free for two weeks, and you can cancel at any time. So text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. Give it a shot. And we'd love for you to join our Syracuse Sports Insider community. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of Syracuse Basketball Post Game, guys. Great stuff from you. The Orange takes down Georgetown, eighty to sixty-eight. This has been presented by our friends at Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner of SU Athletics. Brent Dax, and we will talk to you next time. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. Go Bills.